Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Kara Purdy of Battleground, Indiana. Kara will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Kimberly and Rebecca Lavoy, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedure, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 17, Episode 9, Depravity Standard. She made me look too conscientious. She implied you were so desperate to get closure for Dolores, you manufactured a suspect. That's ridiculous. And you let her get away with it? I couldn't shoot her. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Thanks for letting me take a second chair, Kevin. Second chair, yes. You're always my second chair. I'm shadowing you. Just like... Carisi and Barb, it's, it's, <laughs> we just have fewer suits uh, or vests. Uh, and rounding out our panel is our special guest. It's Kimberly from the Date with Dateline podcast. Hello, Kimberly. Yay, it's such an honor to be back. Thank you so much. I'm always scared I burn bridges when I come here and then <laughs> Never. you invite me back. This is my fourth time. I'm so pumped. This yeah. is like my favorite podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, we certainly... Loved having you on that classic episode where the guy was sleeping with his own daughter. Yes. You've been sleeping with your own daughter. Uh-huh. And you're like, what the hell did you get it get me into here? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. I feel yeah. like I just get re-traumatized, but in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your reaction to the news that Kelly Giddish has been asked to leave the show. I mean... I, I guess shooting her in the season opener was kind of a subtle hint from NBC. But what is your take on this, Kimberly? I am mad. I yeah. don't like when they do this. I think I liked that one detective that was a lady. And I liked that one guy, the guy that was the uh, DA. And mm-hmm. they keep bringing on people. And then I really like them. And then they take them off. And Rollins deserves more respect. She's been there for a really long time. She's had multiple children and dogs and <laughs> yes. solved a lot of crimes. And she has that Carisi thing is pretty sexy. Yes. And yeah. What, so what are they doing? Well, I mean, I think the fandom is really unclear why Rollins is being written out. But I think when she leaves, she's going to ask Dick Wolf if it's because she's a lesbian. <laughs> is this because I'm a lesbian? No, she's not, not, not a lesbian. So, Kimberly, I'm just going to skip the detective team question. And, and just because I want to make you say it. Who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Uh... Barba pre beard. Okay. I just don't like his decisions with the beard. I like the beard in an aesthetic way. But <laughs> since he has left the show, he is, I don't know what's happening. They're really testing my patience for this character. But pre that, it's Barba all the way. But he's, he has, he knows how to give unconditional love. Oh, <laughs> bullshit. To, I don't know whom, but. <sighs> Talk about a retcon. Yeah. I loved that. That was so dramatic. <laughs> they were in the bar, just staring. Yeah. She came and she's like, I'm not even having a drink. I'm just going to hear you say you love me and then I'm leaving. 
So are we to believe that Barbara was like, has just been like sitting alone in his right. apartment or on his boat like this whole time? <laughs> no, just like, yacht. just like wanking it, waiting for Livy to love him back like this whole <laughs> time. No, I don't think so. No. Right. He's been going no. on dates and shit, right? I think so. I mean, I don't really know the prosecutorial vibe in New York City. Like, are there groupies who know all of the hotshot lawyers who are hanging around? Yeah. Like, oh, Barbara, he's won this many out of this many cases, uh, like in other career paths. But if there are, they're down for Barbara, for sure. Yeah, he's having a tough time because how do you come back from a first date where they say, oh, really, why did you leave the DA's office? <laughs> yeah. There was, well, there was an incident with a baby. Yeah. Oh, so you don't want to have kids? All right. All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 17, Episode 9, Depravity Standard. Just to note, some streaming services, and I'm looking at you, Hulu, list this as Episode 8 because of the two-part season opener, so no need to tweet at us about it. All right, let's go to the tape. We see Louis Hoda's Season 14 confession to killing Hector Rodriguez back in 1999. Fast forward to present day as Hoda is about what? 2012. No, no, the killing was in 1999. Oh, okay, sorry. Shut the fuck up, Rebecca. I know what I'm doing. Fast forward to present day as Hoda is about to plead to Hector's murder and the kidnapping of Wyatt Morris. He recants and tells the judge that Benson coerced his false confession. Now heading to trial, Barbara wants to first try Hoda on the stronger case, Wyatt's kidnapping, but his mother won't let him testify, leaving them no choice but proceeding with the more circumstantial murder case. So now you can put him on trial for what he did to Hector. We'll have to. And you can tell the jury what he did to her son and, and the other murders. So they'll know who that man is. It's up to the judge. I'll do my best. Causing the hearts of fan fiction writers to skip a beat, Barba agrees to let Knight Law School student Sonny Carisi shadow him for this case. Hoda's new attorney, Lisa Hassler, gets the judge to keep any mention of Wyatt's kidnapping out of Hector's murder trial. With Rollins 57 months pregnant and on bed rest, Finn reaches out to creepy AF auxiliary cop Steve Lomaton, who says he's willing to lie on the stand if that gets him a real job with the police department. Even though his taped confession has Hoda admitting to snapping Hector's neck, Hassler accuses Benson on the stand of railroading her client. During the interrogation, Liv says that no one likes a child molester in prison, but if Hoda confessed, she'd let all the inmates know he was not a chomo. Hoda testifies that he's never seen Hector and only confessed because he was afraid of being assaulted in prison. On cross, Barbara points out his improbable story. The water from the nearby arson damaged the basement, which is why he poured new concrete with no idea Hector's body was beneath it. He then trips up Hoda, who seems to let it slip. He had touched the boy. Barbara and Carisi feel good about the cross, but Hassler says she's got them right where she wants them. All right, well, it helps to know this whole crime was covered in season 14 in the episode called Manhattan Vigil. The parents, an auxiliary cop, uh, the suspect, they all appeared in that episode, and they're back. What happened then, there was a kidnapping. It reminds Craig and Benson of an unsolved disappearance in the same neighborhood from 1999. Cut an interspersed footage from the cutting room floor from season one to make it look like they're young again. Munch is, is suspicious of this creepy auxiliary cop who has been following the case too closely for years. But he gives SVU a really good clue. After each of those other kidnappings, there were nearby arsons. So Hoda was the superintendent of one of those buildings. Uh, they learned that Hoda had put a new concrete basement floor down after Hector's disappearance. He claimed he did it because water put on a burning building damaged that basement, but the building was too far away. They dig up the basement, they find Hector, and they arrest Hoda, and they're able to rescue Wyatt. Okay, so that case happened three years ago. And in a world where they have a murder trial a week after the funeral, this is the only case that takes a real-world amount of time to process? Yes! Thank you for pointing. This this is honestly like the one episode of SVU where I'm like, things are happening the way they're supposed to happen. 
It's so, except, well, for one glaring thing, which we'll talk about. But yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It is very exciting. Actually, more than one glaring thing. But yes, I was very excited about that. Extremely excited. Three years. That sounds about right. It tracks. He was in Rikers for three years. Mm-hmm. Which tracks. That's what's supposed to happen. I mean, it's not what's supposed to happen, but it's what happens. <laughs> I was so confused. I felt like I was being dropped in the middle of an episode because they just assume that you have encyclopedia knowledge like you guys do of every single episode. And I hadn't seen this episode since it first aired. It's very confused. Also, second thing, when I heard the guy's name was Lewis, I full on panicked. I got the yeah. panic sweats because this is my fourth time. First two were incest. Third time is when Lewis kidnaps Liv and plays Russian roulette. And it's horrible. And mm. I thought it was going to be another Lewis. And I was like, why do they hate me? But <laughs> it was a different, horrible Lewis. Yeah, no good characters named Lewis on this no, TV show. Not on this yeah. one. Nope. No. Yeah. So Carisi asks his man crush if he can shadow him for the trial because, you know, he's got some night school in him. So listen, you know I'm going to law school tonight, right? I've alerted the Bar Association. Right. And you know I've been talking to you about maybe shadowing. Well, I think that I could really learn a lot on this case. Uh, I don't know, if uh, Ron's out as few short-staffed. And... No, no, I checked with Liv. She says Thanksgiving is slow. This is the perfect time. It's slow at Thanksgiving. Yeah. What? Because large family gatherings with creepy uncles and red wine never creates new special victims. Correct. You're literally trapped with your family and you're willing to stab your uncle because he's wearing a MAGA hat and he stole the last turkey leg. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's, not, it's not quite. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah. When he said shadow, I thought he was going to be sitting like in the audience watching. Yes, exactly. no, he let him sit at the table <laughs> Which I don't think is something you can do if you're not a lawyer. He sends him to to visit with the mom of the victim to make sure she'll show up at trial, which is something he should have been doing himself. Which, by the way, uh, I don't think Rollins' house is on the way uptown. If I remember correctly, she lives in fucking Brooklyn, does she not? (laughs) On the way uptown. And I'm like, that's not on the way uptown, Barbara. Rollins does not live uptown. Well, that's his future boo. What, what, what was in that bag? Was it perishable? Italian food. It was but Italian food. Needs to be refrigerated, I'm assuming, right? It was probably some ginger ale to settle her stomach. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's you know, you're going to get some heartburn. Lady. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, my mother and my Italian sisters, this is what we do for all the pregnancies. My nieces. My nieces. He's basically a midwife at this point, yes, though, exactly. with all of his family history. That's right. He's right. Always the midwife, never the sperm donor. <laughs> Very, very likely. By the way, they should have uh, titled this episode Night of the Dueling Vest Coats. <laughs> How funny is it when Barbara, when, he, when, when Carisi tells Barbara he's going to Florida Law at night and Barbara says, I'll alert the bar association. <laughs> he is so sarcastic. It's very sexy. It's so great. It's so great. I do love it. Oh, yes. You're one of the Rothschilds, are you not? Nobody <laughs> says Fordham Night Law, right? They would just be like Fordham Law School. I'm not, I'm no, too people well. say Fordham. No, I'm night school. Like, yeah. I'm a, Fordham has a good Fordham is a good school. Come on. I come from a Fordham family. Don't diss it. I don't know. He, if he, he really seems more like a Hudson guy. <laughs> we are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. <laughs> Does He's Hudson like a, have a night school program? Of course it does. It's got everything. He seems more like a DeFry Technical Institute type guy. <laughs> <laughs> University of Phoenix University Law of Phoenix. School. Yeah, law school. <laughs> it's a lot safer to go to one of those online schools in New York. Can we just talk about Finn's reaction to hearing about the auxiliary cop guy? Finn, what about that auxiliary cop, the one that found Hector's lunchbox? I saw him at Hoda's plea hearing. Lomitin? He's nuts. Sweet wisdom from Finn. <laughs> You gotta go with Finn though His gut I feel like his gut Is stronger than Everybody else's Altogether Oh yeah Yeah He's like 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 no prevarication No like Oh I remember that guy Like he was a little bit Odd but whatever He's like no He nuts It was right on the surface Like he thinks about him All the time Like he was already Just thinking about him Earlier in the day For no reason (laughs) (laughs) Looks like the cop Arrested himself (laughs) All right, let's take a look at our cast. It's our very special guest star, Mr. Tom Sizemore. Yay! Returning as Creeper and Just for Men hair color model, Louis Hoda. <laughs> it was no deal. 
She put words in my mouth. She threatened me. She hammered at me for hours. He was in the Manhattan Vigil episode. He's known for his tough guy roles in films like Saving Private Ryan, Natural Born Killers, and Heat. He was in Black Hawk Down along with new mothership prosecutor Hugh Dancy. Hmm. And a whole bunch of other famous people, actually. Tom had been married to actress and professional tennis player Maeve Quinlan. Rebecca remembers her as Megan Connolly on The Bold and the Beautiful. I don't watch The Bold and the Beautiful. That show oh, sucks. Uh, well, I remember her from the Let Me Show You the Right Way to Wreck My Box MILF in the movie Ken Park. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I actually do know that scene, though. You do know that uh, scene. That, that's a very famous it's pretty like, odd scene. porn scene. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I soft, actually. Softcore. But... That's actually one that comes. <laughs> I only know that one because it's on Reddit. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's on like the homepage, the non-porn, like it's on the homepage of Reddit under like non-porn subreddits. Were they listed as prawn? I don't know, but it's, it's like I have, I, that <laughs> I've seen like there. links to that. It's very famous, right? Yeah. Can, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, just checking. She's teaching him stuff, right? She's teaching him yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he learned fast. Too. Because everybody wants to do it with their parent. <laughs> that's not her, his parent. What is it? It's his. It's the neighborhood. It's the neighborhood milf. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is all. God damn it! How many episodes do we bring <laughs> Kimberly on? You can't do it again, Rebecca. I thought it was I like can't. stepmom porn. No. Or whatever. Okay. I don't know. I've never seen it. I just have seen links. You to have it. to see the two minutes leading up to the scene I've to seen, realize I've seen links he's coming to it. over to visit his friend, and he just I've he seen just, links to it on the homepage of Reddit. His, his friend's mom. Okay. Like, like great. you do for your friends. Great. Right? great. 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 Thank you for the description. <laughs> I right. really needed it. Thank Tom you. Tom Sizemore. <laughs> uh, uh, he's, he had also been engaged to Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss, oh. which for some oh. reason did not work out. Okay. Um, I feel like that was more because of him than her. I Could be. There's more to Tom Sizemore. There's full on like molestation rumors. Really? Yeah. I read he got kicked off a set because an 11 year old girl accused him of... Um, being a, a chomo, what's the, what's the <laughs> chomo? Wow, yeah, I never touched her down there. Allegedly, that, it, yeah, this might be oh. real life showing wow. up on camera. Yeah, oh wow, holy cow, I, that's just what a brief Google search got me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had his his issues. Uh, he was in a documentary called Triple X Tom, in which he discusses his movie career in a motel room with three sex workers. Oh, okay. Uh, he struggled with addiction. He appeared on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, so of course he's cured now. <laughs> uh, he'll be featured in an upcoming documentary called Saving Sizemore, which looks at his struggles, which include, in 2005, he failed a court-ordered drug test when he was caught using a prosthetic penis to fake the results. Hmm. Twice. Hmm. Clever. Yeah, I mean, fool me once with your fake dick, shame on me. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on you. Yeah, no kidding. We have a couple of hey, it's that guys. Who? Hey, it's that guy. Give me the name of the actor playing wannabe cop Stephen Lomiton. That's the dude from Girls. Girls. Forget his name, yeah. You know, every year Hector's mom had a little service here on the anniversary of the day he disappeared. The last few years, no one from the case came beside me. No one. Yeah, you don't know his name. It's Alex Karpovsky, yeah, best known as Ray, on the increasingly insufferable HBO show Girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> insufferable from the first episode and then gets more so. Yes. Can it yes. be insufferable after it's off the air? Get it, can it continue to get more insufferable after the it's memory off the air? of it is oh, okay. still insufferable. Yeah. Yes. It's, like, it's, I, it's creator. Yeah, it's it's yeah. creator has certainly gotten more insufferable. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Voice of her generation. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yes, he was producer, director, and editor of a documentary called Trust Us, This Is All Made Up. It is about improv giants Dave Pasquale and my real-life high school friend T.J. Jagodowski. Yeah, we saw that documentary. Yeah, oh. T.J. is he's one of the guys from the Sonic commercials. That's where most people recognize him from. He's the guy in the passenger seat. But in the world of improv and long-form improv, he's like Michael Jordan. Uh, I should say something, though, about my hometown of Holyoke, Massachusetts, where we're both from. The St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee selected T.J. 
Jagodowski as the Irish American of the Year. Yes. <gasps> Because that's a real Irish guy. Jagodowski. Yeah, it's his mom. He's you Polish. Know. He's okay. Polish. His dad's Polish. Yes. His mom is Irish, and everybody loves hamburgers, so <laughs> let's put it all together. All right, who's playing Judge Horowitz? You must find the defendant not guilty unless you conclude the people have proven him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. With that in mind, this case is now in your hands. The guy who always plays Judge Horowitz. Yeah, he's the ultimate, hey, it's that guy. It's Joe Graffisi. Uh, he was also in The Deer Hunter, Presumed Innocent and Moonstruck. He's played Horowitz nine times as the defense attorney, and then he got a promotion for five more appearances as the judge. Hmm. He has been married to his wife for 49 years. Wow. And they have done it by not having a podcast together. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My parents are on 48. Oh, wow. that's great. Congratulations yeah. Tell them not to start a podcast. <laughs> I would. They are on R sometimes. If that, I don't think that counts. Yeah, yeah. Don't have them on at the same time. I think okay. it's probably good. We do have a repeat offender. R- repeat offender. Returning to our show is Deadwood Emmy nominee Robin Weigart playing defense attorney Lisa Hassler. Mm. So to avoid being beaten by an accusation he feared and hated, might he... Admit to touching a child he'd never even met? Objection! Uh, she's not doing the Calamity Jane voice, nope. as you can hear. God she's wearing some... Fucking cocksucker! Yeah, that's She's her. wearing some hot shit red court inappropriate shoes, though, which I really enjoyed. Hey, that's great. Yep, yep. I was expecting that. All right. Uh, we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Can you tell me the name of the actress playing the mother, Dolores Rodriguez? Nope. No, but she was great. Yeah, that's uh, Lisa Colon Zayas. Some of the jurors would like to uh, light a candle for Hector tonight. Is that okay? Of course. Okay, and thank you, Mr. Barba. I, I, I know how hard you tried. Five Law & Order Universe appearances. Rebecca should have recognized her as Tina, the fuck you, my mashed potatoes are good enough prep worker in The Bear. Oh, yes, that's right. I should have recognized her. Her hair is short in that. Yes, I should have recognized her, though, from that, because I did think she looked familiar, but I did not actually think about it enough. Thank you, Chef. Thank You're welcome, Chef. (laughs) Uh, She is married to David Zayas. You'll recognize him as Sergeant Angel Batista on Dexter. Mm. Oh, really? Lastly, lastly, can you tell me, who is the woman playing NBC reporter Jenna (laughs) Wolfe? It's been two days already. What issues are they grappling with? <laughs> that would be NBC reporter Jenna Wolf. Yes. Actually, it's uh, Jennifer Wolfield. Very lifelike. Jenna Wolf was born in Kingston, Jamaica. She is the wife of reporter Stephanie Gosk. As we as we know, because I don't think Jenna Wolf is on NBC anymore. No. But when they when she was on NBC, they talked about being together all the time. <laughs> it was like in the Today Show. It was like, I'm going to throw it to my wife, Jenna Wolf, and I'm going to throw it to my wife, Stephanie Kosk. <laughs> they were the most like conspicuously yeah. married on the Today Show together couple that ever was. Yeah, that's why Matt Lauer left them alone. Um, <laughs> Do we know what her foot score is? On WikiFeet? Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm sure it's at least four out of five stars. (laughs) Uh, She stepped away from network TV, as you said, in 2015 after giving birth to her children at age 39 and age 40. That's also known as let me show you the wrong way to wreck my box. Oh, my God, Kevin. So Hassler is good at laying the groundwork to accuse Benson of coercing the confession and framing Hoda. And she and Barbara Quarrel about uh, putting in the homework to make sure that her testimony goes smoothly. You're up after lunch. Let's prep. You know what? I've actually testified a few hundred times, so I think I'll be fine. I need to get back to the squad room. No, you don't. Lewis Hoda might walk if Hassler can make the jury think your emotions got in the way of your police work, which is what they're doing right now. I need you to sit your ass down and work with me. Yes, Daddy. Yes, in the courtroom. Loved that. She likes him. He's bossy. Yeah, she's like, I'm normally the boss. I want you to boss me around. Yeah, mm-hmm. here are the handcuffs and just keep going from there. I think at that moment, Barbara can fuck anybody in that cast he wants. Yeah, Benson, Carisi, Chester Lake. Carisi for sure. Kathy Stabler uh, and whoever he wants. He's just going to make special victims out of them. Oh, my God. Two things. 
One is, why do they have to practice in the actual courtroom? It's like not it's, it's not like she doesn't know what a courtroom is. Usually that's so that the, you can say to the witness, okay, this is where the judge sits. This right. is where the jury sits. You practice basketball in the court. That's you know? true. That's true. Second thing is he can 100% fuck Carisi. You know how you know that? How? After day one of the a trial that goes real bad and, and Barbara does really badly, Carisi's like, that was awesome <laughs> because my dad can beat up your dad. He is so cool. <laughs> the hearing was awesome. I, I get what the Barisis are seeing. Yes. <laughs> it was adorable. Uh, I love it. Uh, we did learn a bit of new underworld nomenclature. Uh, they say that Hoda is a chomo. Didn't you tell him, and I quote, nobody likes a chomo in state prison. What is a chomo, Lieutenant? It's a child molester. And chomos or child molesters are themselves frequently assaulted in prison, are they not? Objection, Lieutenant Benson is not a prison warden. So that's new. that's new to you guys as well. Yeah, please. I, of course I, it is. So you're saying after 7,000 episodes of this show, <laughs> Finn never has it. never once said Chomo. Never heard it before. No. Never heard okay. it since. That, I, no. that checks out. Yeah. And the, yeah, they never came back to it. I guess it wasn't so great. I think back, though, over the arc of Law and Order and the police there seem really far too comfortable threatening people with this, the prospect of of getting raped in order to get information. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is my problem. Okay, there's so many good things about this episode. First of all, Olivia, Olivia totally gets called out for using the read technique, which is good. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Which is good. She gets called out for threatening somebody with sexual assault in prison, which is good. You know what's bad? Is that it's not Elliot Stabler getting called out for that shit because he did that shit all mm. of the time. He's in Italy right now. <laughs> At this moment, eating he's some gelato, watching yeah. a soccer game, <laughs> yeah. football, football, Kevin. football, football. There, yes. <laughs> but you got to remember, you know, there's if you go to jail, blah blah blah, it's gonna happen. These are the rape cops. Yes. Yeah. They're going to say, you're going to be used like a scullery wench on a pirate ship. Yes. Mm -hmm. They're the same ones who would have to investigate the rape that happened in the yep. prison. That's Olivia right. went undercover in a prison and it almost happened to her. Correct. Yes. And she's not even a chomo. <laughs> <laughs> and they do this all I because... just doesn't like roll off the tongue. I feel like it's just, it's not catchy. It's not. It, it sounds like an, a Taco Bell item. It does. It's like <laughs> a chalupa. <laughs> no, back to Taco Bell. The Chomo. <laughs> Get the Chomo combo box. <laughs> a soft taco, a chalupa, and one giant Chomo. And then run for the border because you're being hunted for child molestation. Uh, I want to get uh, the Chomo with ground beef, <laughs> Chomo Supreme, extra sour cream. <laughs> Some fire sauce on the side, fire please. Fire sauce. Ooh, it's going to burn. Oh, my God. Oh. I took the whole chomo in my mouth. <laughs> God, imagine the commercials. <laughs> Lord Chomo, please. I'm glad that little chihuahua isn't around anymore. <laughs> Drop the chalupa, yes. That was great. A little racist chihuahua. <laughs> Remember, they're threatening people with prison rape just so they can find out what color the car is. You know. Anyway, Barba has this great cross-examination. Hoda is most concerned about not being called a child molester. So he uses that. He trips him up. You told me what? Because you were afraid? Because you were afraid of being hurt in prison? Or because you were afraid of hearing the truth about yourself, which you like little boys? I'm not afraid of anything. Then tell me, where exactly did you put your hands on Hector Rodriguez? I never touched him down there. Never. You I never touched him down there. Where did you touch him then? It's like saying, are you still kicking your dog, Mrs. Lavoie? I never kicked my dog. Good answer. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess Good that would have been the She's way. She's too smart for it. Yeah, yes or no. Exactly. God damn it. That's why Barb is so good at this. Yes. Barbara <laughs> actually didn't ask another line of questioning that would have been awesome. I mean, easy, right? Did you order the concrete, Mr. Hoda? I did. When you put the concrete in the hole, was there a body in the <laughs> hole, Mr. Hoda? <laughs> Did what? you order the code red on Santiago? <laughs> what is with Hoda on the stand, though? Is he seem very sleepy slash on drugs to anybody else? Yes. Yeah, he's just so sad. And what did she say would happen if you cooperated? 
that she put the word out I wasn't a chomo, so I'd be safe. Did you believe? I believe they were framing me, that they could do whatever they wanted to, that I had to say what they wanted me to say if I was ever going to get out of there alive, I believe. Well, you know, I think that Hoda's fine. Maybe it's Tom Sizemore who's all sleepy and on yeah, yeah, drugs. Perhaps, yeah. He's probably uncomfortable with that prosthetic penis, and he's got to sit there the whole time. <laughs> trying to readjust it. He's going through a journey. Each time they cut to him, he's like a different point in his process of understanding his character. And yeah. it's each leading to something more disturbing than right. the scene, the shot before. So Barbara just demolished Hoda on the stand and he practically gets him to incriminate himself. And the defense attorney's all like, well, you know what? I've got you exactly where I want you. Are you gloating? Guilty. Nothing makes me happier than to see a member of the patriarchy strut before he falls. Mm, that seemed to be my feet. I'd say your client just made quite an impression on the jury. I'd say you did. And thank you. And then she twirled her mustache, which happens to be the same color as Tom Sizemore's hair. <laughs> she did say to Barbara, nothing makes me happier than seeing a member of the patriarchy strut before he falls. And I was like, you're defending a child molester. The feminists are not rooting for you, Lisa. <laughs> Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Now retired from the FBI and working as a private consultant, George Wong testifies for the defense, saying Hoda would admit to doing things he didn't do if pushed by an authority figure. What if an authority figure publicly insisted that Mr. Hoda was attracted to little boys? That assertion would be the psychological equivalent of the strap that his father beat him with. So he might say whatever he thought that official wanted him to say. Well, if his emotional defenses were breached, it could trigger that kind of compliance. Hassler grills auxiliary cop Stephen Lomaton how he found Hector's lunchbox, how he went to the memorials about his giant stringboard murder map of the case in the attic and accuses him of being a murderer, which, to be honest, is what we all thought when we saw the first episode and maybe still think it. The jury is having trouble deliberating. Asshole juror number four wants to know more about coerced confessions. And he asks that even though there are no true crime podcasts yet. <laughs> After five days of a runaway jury, both Barba and Hassler realize the best thing is to cut a deal. Hoda will plead and get a mere eight years for murder. But just as the attorneys are informing the judge of the deal, the jury announces they're deadlocked and a mistrial is declared. Later, Liv shows up at Hector's memorial with Wyatt's mom. She tells Mrs. Rodriguez that next time, Wyatt will testify about the kidnapping, giving them a better shot at convicting Hoda. But what will the writers do with the final three minutes of this episode? Benson and Carisi visit Rollins in the hospital where she's having contractions. Suddenly, something goes wrong. She begins to hemorrhage, and the doctors rush in to save her life and the life of her baby. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, so the defense goes to bring in Wong. Bring in Wong. He's on wrong. Bring in Wong. By the way, this is B.D. Wong's last appearance as George Wong. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, and they ended it on this note. Yeah. In the Him elevator. In a, in a showdown with tumbleweeds with Olivia in the elevator. You know what he did to Hector. What he did to Wyatt. To Wyatt, yes, but to Hector, I don't know. So you think I coerced him? Is that what you think? How long have we known each other? Olivia, he's suggestible. 
It may not have been your intent, but if you planted an idea, he might have believed he it. He believed it because he did it. I'm sorry, but I don't know that. And neither do you. How bad did you feel for those two women who walked on the elevator right in the so middle of their fight? Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Olivia was going to punch one of them and kick him out of the elevator and go, I need to finish this confrontation, bitch. Yeah. By the way, it's like as, as he's leaving the courthouse, he gets into the elevator and we see the doors close slowly slowly and you know it's coming and just then Liv's hand comes around like Jason from Friday the 13th (laughs) (laughs) it was like Jurassic Park with like a dinosaur just be like I'm here (laughs) (laughs) tiny little T-Rex hand (laughs) I will tell you I am still not convinced that the creepy wannabe cop isn't the killer me neither I didn't see the first episode with him and I still think it might be him I just care about children even when no one else does so you have a special relationship with children. I like that. Did you murder Hector Rodriguez? Judge, this is ridiculous. There's the guy who did it. Right there. Mr. Lomonton, just answer the question. I will not dignify that question with an answer, Your Honor. I'm not hearing a no. He's real creepy. But remember, halfway through that first episode, they walk into his attic and they find... All these photographs and the string, and, and it looks like Carrie Matheson from uh, Homeland. Homeland. He says it's because he's trying to do the investigation. It also looks like somebody totally fucking obsessed. Yes. And maybe the killer. That's why Munch thought he was good for it back in season 14. He looks like one of those firefighters who set fires that he can go to the fire scene. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, like there was a couple of those in my town where I grew up. We had an all-volunteer fire department and there was a bunch of arsonists on Jeez. our fire department. Yeah. <laughs> he was just so desperate for the NYPD to like him. He's like, you'll tell you'll tell the NYPD what I did though, right? Oh yeah, I oh, will. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when you were on the stand and they said, are you a murderer? You wouldn't say no. no. Like how you tried to tamper with a jury member by pretending to yeah. be a cop and going mm-hmm. to his house to intimidate him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to tell them that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I still think that I'd like him better than Velasco. The- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's been this B-plot throughout which involves Rollins, who has been missing for most of this episode because she's going to give birth any day, and Kelly Giddish was, you know, pregnant at this the director's time. Director's like, well, she's too fat for TV. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just have her make phone calls in, like, inbound phone calls. Yeah. We never have to see her. It would be so gross. Right. Well, they <laughs> did write her pregnancy into the show, unlike Mariska's, where they just... Hit her behind a box. Right. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> You're on computer duty now. Yeah, exactly. But at some point, right, she ends up at the hospital because there's something wrong with her heart. Finn is there. He takes her to the hospital. And then he calls Benson and turns to Amanda and says, Hold on. I want to talk to Liv. Maybe later. Do I want to talk to my boss about my pulsating uterus right now? No, thank you. Maybe she, later. Yeah. Isn't there anyone else? That's my favorite part. She was so annoyed. Maybe later. God, no, Finn. It's bad enough my coworkers keep coming by while my vagina is out in the open. I don't want to yeah. talk to my boss, too. Well, what is Liv going to say? I suppose that hurts. I wouldn't know. <laughs> exactly. I've never been able to bear children. Yeah. Or have them or even adopt one. Yeah. I have cobwebs. But I there. hope to have one eventually that has a ton of problems. <laughs> yes, that's right. And is constantly in mortal danger. That's right. It's like, oh, shit, he swallowed a quarter again, you know? <laughs> Do you want to talk to Liv? She's like... So how much FMLA time do I have anyway? (laughs) None. Thanks, Obama. I'm wondering if Rollins like had like a fever dream where she's lying in the bed and all of those victims come over and say, well, we want to look now at you. (laughs) So at the end, Carisi and Benson arrive while she's having contractions and then she yells out, Look, I may not have ever given birth, but I have yelled, that is not a contraction, it's my back, is that blood after going to Chipotle. <laughs> after getting a chomo at Taco Bell? Yeah. It's like, oh no! It's coming out my rear end! <laughs> I 
feel like uh, they must have shot that earlier because no woman at nine months pregnant wants to fully act out a giving birth scene that is going uh, horribly wrong. Especially if you've had a kid before. Right. Nope. Absolutely not. That's no. method. Yeah. And by the way, that, that thing I was thinking was there is such a thing called back labor, which is literally what a nurse would come in and say. If you said I had something in my back, they'd be like, oh, that's just a back labor situation. But no, that, no. Was, that was rough. Yeah. That was a very, very rough and, and like visceral birth scene, I thought. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And they didn't even have Carisi there. They had, well, there was Carisi there. Was it Finn? Carisi, he was there. Yeah, they both got oh, so shut of, Finn shut was out gone of the room. By then. Yeah. He Finn was, was looking gone. through the window, oh, falling right. in love. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you remember, and uh, Kimberly, you brought this up. Last season's finale, when, when, when Barbara returned, we had a scene with Carisi and Velasco. I'm just going to say it like that from now on, fucking Velasco. <laughs> And he talked about, like, this was the moment they're talking about where he fell in love with Rollins. Like I said, I knew for sure when she when she's giving birth to Jesse, you know, there are complications. Doctors rushing in and I looked at her. She was she was vulnerable. She was she was so strong. You know, the way she fought. Yeah, that was that was it for me. That's, that's when I knew when she is bleeding out of her vagina, screaming like, "Oh man, she's such a fighter!" I want to get with that. I'm like, and then, by the way, that was a fucking retcon because when you look at him in that scene, he ain't falling. In no, he's not falling. Yeah, in <laughs> he's like, "Shit, was it the Italian food that I brought her in her apartment? Is this my fault?" Oh, I gotta go call my mother. <laughs> It did seem to me that she was closer to Finn in this episode. Like there yes. was she because she kept saying, you can go, Carisi. Finn's going to come back soon. Yeah. Like Finn is her comfort person. And yes. I was like, I thought Carisi was their comfort person. But no. Yeah. No, I mean, Rollins had primarily been not if not officially partners with Finn. That's who she, she mostly wound up. Yeah. With. Well, because yeah. Finn Until, got her out of jams. Remember Finn yeah. helped her with her gambling debt. Mm. She and Finn climbed into that water tower together. They had a lot of good times together, she and Finn. They did. Aww. Not anymore, But though. you know that Finn was like, you get one ounce of that vagina blood on my sneakers? <laughs> oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> hey, I'm in this elite squad for afterwards, for when it's all dry. I do not want any fresh lady juice anywhere near me. <laughs> one of the all-time great Finn moments on yeah. the show. Oh, hell no. <laughs> so th the, the picture goes black. As if we think they're going to kill off Rollins in the middle of the season, which would be really a bad, oh, wait a minute, they're about to do that. I hope they don't do that. They didn't kill her off, you think, or just have her, like, move away? I think she just, she'll just move away. <sighs> Can't she just be at home? Can't she just be at home, like, like at home and, like, we can have Creasy calling her? Yeah. yeah. And we can know they're together, but we just don't have to see her anymore? It's right. fucking bullshit. Yeah, can't she just be working from home like the rest of us? Well, I think they should, should give her the option. She yeah. should get to decide, do, uh, do I want to go off in a really dramatic death scene or do I want my character living happily ever after with Carisi? Dick Wolf is actually known for giving the actors that choice. Do you want to go off in a big way or do you want to go off in a quiet way? Somebody like Angie Harmon just wanted to go off the show. Serena Sutherland, who's played by Elizabeth Rome, um, yep. said, yeah, give me something flashy. Is this because... No. So did Jill Hennessy. Give me something flashy. Oh, she got something flashy. She right. Actually, Jill Hennessy didn't realize they were going to kill her off. She got something crashy. She thought she was just in the crash. It wasn't until she she saw it on TV the next season. They said, oh, she's dead. Oh. She's like, shit, I guess I'm not coming back. Mm. But my twin can. My, twi <laughs> my twin sister. So whatever happens to Rollins, I am willing to bet that Kelly Giddish had a hand in it. So it'll either be something flashy like... She gets blown up in a car. But then they have to deal with the repercussions of that for Carisi. For Carisi, which I don't want to have to I see. I wouldn't mind her going over to the original or to deal with Stabler occasionally. Yes. Yeah. Maybe she can just go home and take care of those 10 million babies and dogs. Yeah. I just feel like with her luck, any even if she's a stay-at-home mom having this idyllic life, she's going to stumble onto a dead body like yeah. sooner or later, and then we'll be forced to back into solving crimes. Mm. She yeah. can't just have a peaceful life. She has demons. That's true. Her sister's going to come back and like kill somebody in front of her again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. 
On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the disappearance of Eitan Pats. In 1979, the six-year-old vanished on his way to the bus stop in Lower Manhattan. His disappearance caused panic throughout New York and the nation, but the investigation into his whereabouts went cold. In 1985, police set their sights on Jose Ramos, a sex offender who'd been friends with Eitan's babysitter. He admitted luring a boy to his apartment on the day of the kidnapping, but he denied the boy was Eitan or that he killed his victim. Ramos remained the prime suspect for decades. In 2012, police reopened the case and excavated the basement of a nearby home. The following month, they announced the arrest of Pedro Hernandez. He was the 18-year-old clerk at the convenience store where Eitan was headed to buy a soda pop. Hernandez confessed to strangling the boy and throwing his body in the garbage. His lawyers tried to get his confession tossed, claiming the man didn't understand his Miranda rights. After his first trial ended in a hung jury, Pedro Hernandez was convicted in 2017 for kidnapping and felony murder and received a life sentence. The remains of Eitan Pats have never been recovered. Well, Hernandez's first trial was also in a hung jury. There's a lot of parallels here between the the basement being uh, jackhammered open, the backpack, um, you know, the possibility of a different suspect. There were issues about whether his confession was freely given and whether he understood his rights. Yep. This was a really, you know, big case. Rebecca, you remember this? I remember this very, very well. It was a huge case when I was, it was like, it was sort of like our Adam Walsh case Mm -hmm. in New York. And what was really, really crazy about it, it was the first time they had ever let him go anywhere by himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was like the one detail that sort of like everybody remembered. And it Mm -hmm. was, you know, it's particularly tragic. He had never been to the bus stop before by himself. And they like he had been begging to go by himself. And this was the first time they let him go by himself. That yeah. was the way the story was always portrayed. And they kept that in this. Yeah, that yeah. was a detail that they also uh, ripped from the headlines on this. And I do want to talk about the whole stranger danger thing. But just just to kind of wrap this up in the era of uh, see something, say something. The man who contacted police in 2012 said it was his brother-in-law, Hernandez, said Hernandez may be the killer because apparently in the 1980s, he confessed to everyone at his church that he killed Aton Pates. Hmm. And by the way, if you want to keep a secret about child abuse, the Catholic Church is a pretty good place to do it. Yeah, I've heard that. Aton is most associated with children on milk cartons. Yes. His face didn't go on a milk cart until six years later, but the first faces were two missing newspaper delivery boys from Iowa Ah. in 1984. Uh, more and more kids got their faces on after that. There were two problems with this program, right? One is that it really exacerbated the idea of stranger danger. Yes. That kids everywhere having their breakfast cereal, minding their own fucking business, (laughs) believing that they're all of a sudden going to be snatched by a stranger. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And we know it's most likely to be a non-custodial parent. Also, the representation of the children were disproportionately white. Mm -hmm. Only about 35% of the non-parental abductions are of white children while the rest are children of color. Hmm. Well, thank God that's changed. <laughs> <laughs> the representation of victims being yeah. yeah, not white. Yes, exactly. But yes, it's an interesting point about the stranger danger thing because not only did it like, it's like in everybody's home, a constant reminder of, of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. It's wild. If you think about that, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, while you're eating your Lucky Charms. That's yeah. wild. And the idea that, oh, you let the kid walk by himself. Look what happens. Uh, it's your yeah. fault. The whole thing about parent blaming really became big 
you, you know, we used to have to run home when the streetlight comes on, but the next generation, they couldn't do that. I right? didn't have to do that. But I, kids younger than me were always like the ones like I was still, I mean, I, I was born in 73. So like my childhood was like full of like me running everywhere by myself. Mm. But kids who are younger than me, kids born in the 80s, certainly like we're never allowed to go anywhere by themselves. I used to babysit for kids and I, they weren't allowed to do anything it was like don't let them leave the yard don't take mm-hmm. them anywhere if yeah. the ice cream truck comes by they weren't we weren't allowed to like go outside and get ice cream yeah and it was it was wild I'm, is that because the milk carton thing partially also i'm jewish so my jewish mother never let me out of her sight never <laughs> still doesn't has reported me missing on a cruise ship when i was 23 years old because wow. i was reading a book on my balcony and she couldn't find me and they had to page me over the intercom because she thought i fell oh. Overboard. Wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. She's crazy. How, how much milk did you drink in your house? <laughs> Too much, probably. Yeah, you know what killed the program, the milk carton program? Plastic jugs. Oh, ah. yeah. Quite, quite Another simply. thing plastic has taken away from the environment. That's <laughs> plastic. <laughs> Fuck you, plastic. <laughs> so as a whole, uh, the, the milk carton program was not terribly effective, but it was credited with one, at least one recovery. Seven-year-old Bonnie Lohman recognized her own face on a carton at a store where her uh, stepfather was. The stepfather and the mother had kidnapped her. Uh, She didn't understand it, but to keep her from making a scene, he bought the milk and she kept it hidden. And it wasn't until she left the carton in a bag of toys at a neighbor's house that the neighbors recognized who she was and called the cops. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How bad do you think that milk smelled yeah, by the time bad. someone came to get it? Oh, God. No, yeah. those, those, are, those paper milk cartons always smelled like trash. So <laughs> you're saying thou, those thousands of children, all of the, it's only worked once? Only worked once. Okay. Is that worth it? Maybe? Well, it worked once, but, you know, your mom also recovered you from the... Yeah. She didn't actually have to go so far as put your face on, but, you know, she learned the lesson. <laughs> she would have. And they'd be like, ma'am, she's 23 years old. We don't do that. That's right. And she can swim. All yeah. right, that's going to do it for us. want to thank our special guest, Kimberly, from A Date with Dateline. Kimberly, how can our listeners follow you online? Uh, Date Dateline, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we have uh, two podcasts, A Date with Dateline, and we have Josh Mankiewicz and Keith Morrison on all the time, and we have a lot of fun. And uh, A Date with the Bake is our little baby podcast where we talk about Great British Bake Off. And Rebecca Lavoie, where can our listeners follow you? I am at Reb Lavoie and all the things. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. The theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for the chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.